G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career, right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Coming up, we didn't know, so we called somebody. Well, on Zoom anyway. The D-O-double-G joins the podcast as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I am all stoked about this week's episode. A very good friend of mine that I haven't had a chance to chat with in quite some time. Uh, He's no stranger to anyone who watches WWE then, now, or forever. In fact, he's in the Hall of Fame. He is a good friend of mine, one of the most entertaining men to ever step inside of a ring. He is the road dog, Jesse James, unless... We're talking behind the scenes, which I think is the goal of today, in which case we call him Brian James. It's confusing to me. He's got way too many names, but he's my guest, the road dog, Jesse James. We went from seeing each other every week for seemingly forever to uh, now it's it's a bit of a special occasion when we get to uh, interact in the same room. Uh, but you are still a very... Very busy man. Yes, yeah, very, very busy. Uh, probably will be answering text and uh, and emails while we do this, uh, just because I woke up to those this morning. Like even during this crazy time, uh, we're still long, arduous, creative calls and uh, and takeover in your house is coming up. So we got a lot of preparation to do. But yeah, still a busy man, and and I do miss our uh, long talks on the jet. And then on the van ride slash limo, depending on what the budget was at that period of time. It was very, uh, very bougie <laughs> therapy is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. And I, again, don't know what bougie means, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk to you a little bit more. You mentioned uh, takeover in your house coming up. That's kind of what I want to use today for, if it's cool with you, is is to sort of yep. explain what Road Dog's been up to. Obviously, you know, your, your career's been covered in depth as a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. No shortage of exploits and memorable moments. But you've, you've had your hands in, in the WWE system for quite some time now, dating back to, to the uh, creative end of SmackDown. How did that all come to be? Well, I uh, I started in '95 at in your house. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's what's crazy. That's what's come full circle for me personally. And there was a little bit of time in between where I was uh, roaming down the yellow brick road. But as soon as I got sober, my brother Scott kept pitching to Hunter, "Hey, he's doing well. He's doing well. He's doing well." And and you know that's what that's what you hear about recovering drug addicts right before they relapse. And so 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 Hunter. About a year after I got sober, I went to uh, Atlanta for my father's induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I got a chance to look people in the eye for the first time sober and a little more mature than I was when I left the last time. And so I got a chance to look at Vince himself and, and, and Kevin and, and Taker and Rock and so, some of these people that I feel like I had done a little wrong. Sure. Uh, so I got a chance to make some amends and look people in the eye and kind of let them know in person, hey, I'm doing well, but like any recovering addict or alcoholic knows, you're just, you have a daily reprieve today. That day I was doing well. And so about a month after that, Hunter called and said, Hey, remember how we used to do DX backstages and skits? And, and, you know, back in the day, me and him, and I'll give China a lot of credit too, would literally sit there and spitball 
scenarios, you know, and maybe Vince Russo would write us into a setting or something like that and, and have a rough outline. We would always take it and make it our own. It was kind of me and him were kind of that thing. So, so when he called, he said, Hey, remember we used to do that? I was like, yeah. He said, you want to do that again? And I was like, well, yeah, I want to do that. That was some of the best times of my life. I just wish I remembered them a little more clearly. But so it was an opportunity to come back on the road. And I came back on as, a, as just an agent and uh, just putting together matches. And, and I think Vince saw that I did have a some television knowledge about and a vision because that's where, look, I wasn't a good wrestler. Like I, I wasn't, I think I was a decent character, but it was just me times five, you know? And, and so what I do bring to the table today and it sounds braggadocious, but it, but it's just a knowledge of television and a vision. And then I'm not scared to try to tell you that vision. You know what I mean? A lot of people, Look, you watch TV, you watch movies, you watch these things. If you're observant at all, you pick up how to how to shoot things well and how what angle it should be at, what camera we should use, how to tell the story properly, not only verbally but visually. So, so I'm just not scared to say my you know uh, idea out loud. And a lot of people are, especially in that environment. You know, it's pretty cutthroat in in that producer's room or that writer's room. I got a chance. I think Vince saw that. I think Hunter saw that. I think some people saw that that said, hey, maybe he should be on the creative side and not just a producer. And man, the rest is history. But the first creative conference call I was on with Vince, we waited a really long time for him to hop on the phone. You mean it's not just an urban legend? (laughs) No. So I was at my daughter's softball game. And it took so long for him to get on. He finally hopped on and I wasn't in the room. I was on the phone, you know, and preoccupied. And he finally came in the room and he goes, ha ha ha, right on time. And I was like, yeah, right on time. If you're three hours late, you know, <laughs> and not a, not a peep was made on the other no. end of my phone call. And I knew right then, okay, I shouldn't have said that. I immediately regret saying that. But then I said, you know what? I need to, I need to be there. I need to, I can't be on the phone for these calls. I need to be in the room because right. that's uh, another thing. I feel like I can read the room a little bit, but I always like to go one step too far, even in reading the room. I like to push it to the edge and then take one step over it. And then you can always reel it back in. You know what I mean? Right. And you like, like that moment, many times after that, face to face, did I go one step too far? Uh, and you probably witnessed some of those in the, in the <laughs> meetings. <laughs> but yeah, he, Hunter gave me a phone call n- nine years ago, I guess it is now. And the rest is history. But yeah, then I became the lead writer of SmackDown. And I thought I had a great run doing that. I had a great time doing it anyway. I know a lot of people uh, on Twitter disagreed, but I, I, thought, I, I, thought, I thought we had a good show there for a while. Well, talk to me a little bit about that and making the transition. Obviously, you, you were in the ring, Hall of Fame career, and now you attack this other aspect of the business that is often overlooked, especially as a wrestler. Like when I became a commentator, that was the last thing in the world I ever expected. But it's this other very important aspect of our business. What was it like for you to kind of dive in to a, a completely different realm within our business? That's a that's a great point. And man, how uh, I worked with you in the past, so I know you're a lot better commentator than you are a wrestler. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> no I, arguments. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you won't get any from me either because I feel the same way about myself. I do feel <laughs> like I'm, I am better behind the scenes than I was in front of it, uh, in front of mm-hmm. the camera. And, and I really do. Like, I love that. It's It was such a 
like a liberating feeling to not have the stress of the performance on your shoulders, but you do have the stress of the uh, the execution of the show. But but for me, like holy mackerel, to write a two hour television show, a weekly two hour television show, for one thing, so much harder than I ever imagined. You know what I mean? Or I ever gave any of the writers credit for. But so rewarding at the end of that two hours, if it all came off as planned, you know what I mean? And I, I have a way in my mind that I think everything should be executed. And I feel like if you guys just do it this way, now nine times out of 10, that doesn't work because they, I can't mind meld my vision into their vision, but I can try to be as explicit as I can in my vision. And, and I, you probably caught wind of that. I would even tell the producers, look, I think you should come from this side. I think you should go, you know, go get, stand up on the apron, you know, walk them through every beat of my vision because I know my vision is going to work. I don't know. I know you have a vision about wrestling too, and chances are your vision will work too, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. So I, I loved it. I loved how hands-on I could be with everything from SmackDown to raw to WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like I was in those meetings putting together who's coming out first, whose music should hit here, who's, you know what I mean? And so every aspect, that huge uh, conglomerate that is WrestleMania, I had my fingerprints on. It's every year at the end of that night was rewarding, man. It was a lot more rewarding than if I had made an entrance and wrestled eight minutes and got beat. Chances are I'm not that good. Uh, And then come back. You know what I mean? Like it was so rewarding. And to this day, I still love it, man. I I am uh, still got my fingers on the pulse down there at, at NXT, and just a fifty-year-old living his dream. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it really is more fun than wrestling to me, anyway. There's an overwhelming sentiment uh, sometimes within the business, certainly without about how some people feel that talent is uh, micromanaged. And obviously, within the culture, there's yeah. a certain WWE way that we do things. But you yourself just said that you enjoyed having management over every aspect. What are some of the pros of that versus you You mentioned at the top, uh, you and Hunter and China kind of having freedom to kick things around. What are some of the pros and cons of, of these processes? Because obviously, the DX stuff was significantly longer ago. I mean, the business as a whole has evolved greatly. For, for sure. And so, so a con, a negative of, of me controlling everything, knowing that my vision uh, will work, is that it probably gets stale. You know what I mean? It's, I, I, my brain only, I'm sure this soaked up a lot of bong resin and, and you know, hops. So, so, so there, it'll, only go, it'll only go so far. So I need the input of others. Now, I think, so this is weird. I think it's a strength and a, a, a fault. Well, you're in, you're in a unique position that you've been on both sides of the coin. I mean, everybody's, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. usually handled one side or another, but you've actually spent significant time on both. One of my faults and, and uh, attributes is that I listen to other people and I sometimes think, oh, no, I all the time. If their idea is better than mine, I will always go with their idea. And that's actually something I learned from Vince McMahon. He said, even if their idea is not as good as yours, but it gets you to the same place, let them have their way because it empowers them. And that's a people lesson thing. Like Vince has, has taught me so much, you know what I mean, about stuff sure. like that. And, and look, I would love to come up with the story or the angle and let the talent fill in the blanks. But there's very few talent. I'm not saying there was more back then. I didn't know about this part 
back then. You know what I mean? I didn't know sure. about the part where they either they either let you go and give you some rope and you either, you know, zip line to the other side or you hang yourself. And so I didn't know about all that. But there are some talent nowadays that you can trust to fill in the blanks. And there's definitely some talent that you cannot trust. So, so as far as the micromanaging goes, I was guilty of that for sure. You know, people up the ladder from me are too, but it's because of that. There's so few that you can just go, yeah, I can let him go. And he's not going to say the wrong thing. And he's not going to do the wrong thing. He's not going to, you know what I mean? I can, it's actually better if I let him be him, if I let her be her. Talk to me a little bit about the reasoning for some of this micromanagement as the, as the business and the company has grown. It's a publicly traded company, uh, but I think it gets lost in the, in the arguments. A lot of people, and, and because they would say, oh, well, this, this show sucked or that this guy was good or they ruined him. But there's a lot of external forces when you guys are creating WWE programming that a lot of people will never even take into consideration. No, and they shouldn't be able to because they can't fathom the intricacies that go into it. Like we got to keep the lights on. You know what I mean? We're trying to pay the, the power bill. It's big picture stuff. And so again, you have to, and we have a way we shoot TV and we have a way the promos are cut and it's, and it's to rise above that wrestling, that old school. We talked before we came on about USWA and look, I learned how to wrestle there and I loved it. And it was my breeding ground and I, and I really did love it. But that's, how a lot of people in the world still view wrestling for somebody to try to take it out of that and make it something more, I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's a brilliant business decision to be quite honest, but, but they can't fathom like, okay, this guy is, he's a loose cannon. He might say a cuss word or something. He might, he might say something that, so we script his promo and he has to, you have to do it word for word now because we, we don't trust you. And if we see over a period of time that we're wrong and we can trust you, then you will be brought in. And nowadays they do this a lot more anyway. Bring in the talent to the writer's room and the writer just has uh, his balancing act of making sure you get the message across. And not only the message that, that, that uh, is written, the message that we as a company want to send, the message that we as a company are comfortable with, with telling and how far do you go and how far do you not go, and then use the talent's words. Help me with these words. What would come out of your mouth if this is the message I have to? So we do you know, a lot more lately, especially with the promos. They are including talent. Uh, John Cena would sit, if he had a one-segment promo, he would sit in that writer's room for eight hours. And I mean, he would go use the bathroom and come back and, and he would say, well, Hey, what do you think about this? And spit out a lot. Like it was, and this, his promos were gold, right? Because right, he right. spent the time. A lot of wrestlers will get their promo and go, okay, cool. Yeah. I like this. Like, okay, well, it's your character. It's your, you know, if I'm going to put my, my product on the shelf, I dang sure want the label uh, facing the viewer, facing the shopper. I want to present it the best way I can. So if you're a wrestler and you have a 10-minute segment where it's a promo and a match, man, and you don't take the time to make sure that's the best it could possibly be, hey, that ain't on the writer. That ain't on Vince McMahon as much right. as you'd like to put it there so you could be talent-friendly. That's on the talent. I remember hearing something. I want to say that it was Dusty Rhodes, or maybe it was Dr. Tom told us that they had it broken down into roughly how much every minute you spend on television is worth. It, it was an astronomical amount of money. As, as far as one minute of yeah. segment time on Monday Night Raw, if you were to pay that out of your pocket, it would cost 
X hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th- that was the point was to maximize your minutes because you may never get it again. Yeah. And, and, and it's, man, it's look, I, many a time my music played and I was going to go out there and do the jizz up in, in, in four minutes, five minutes. And every time they go, Hey, do you want to do your entrance? And I'm like, heck yeah, I want to do my entrance. I can get beat in a minute. But I mm-hmm. want that entrance to live forever. I want everybody in this building to go, hey, remember when Road Dog came out? You know what I mean? Like it's 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 maximizing the time, just like you said. And I don't know how much it costs, but to me as a character, as a talent, it was priceless. And so it's up to you, man, to, to are you gonna get over or are you not gonna get over? Because it ain't up to me. And 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 that's I could write till the till the cows come home and all we would get was the cows coming home. You gotta do something mm-hmm. in between there that makes me remember you. You know what I mean? And so so Rocky Mayavia, I don't know if you remember this, it wasn't something somebody wrote. I don't know Steve Austin. <laughs> he wasn't something that somebody wrote. They caught on and they they were uh, larger than life. And that was just who they were and what they did. Nobody wrote that into existence, man. And, I, and, and if somebody's telling you that, then they're just trying to make themselves feel good. You know what I mean? So you mentioned have, li- liking to have as much control as possible when you're writing your shows. Can you think off the top of your head of any, whether they be segments or just character developments that maybe you had to loosen the reins a little bit or were even unwilling to do that, that worked out in a, in a better way? No. no. <laughs> so, so I'm going to take that back. And I think nine times out of 10, us as creators of creative kind of think, oh, if we write this two minute backstage, it has to be the funniest thing in the history of the world or it's no good. And mm-hmm. that's an either or logic. Like it's either the best thing ever or we don't do it. And that's, that's not a very you know, savvy business uh, strategy. Right, it doesn't because, allow for a lot of room uh, for growth. It, Yes, exactly. And it's, if there's two funny lines in there and it gets the character across as, as an entertaining character, or you get to know something about the character in him saying something entertaining, man, it's worth its weight in gold because we've advanced the story of his, of the character's characteristics. You know what I mean? So it's weird and it's hard. A lot of the times you think, oh, we crack the boys up. We'll crack the we'll crack the fans up. You know what I mean? Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Once in a while it does, but then it, then you realize what a bizarre world that we actually exist in and realize that most of the, right. most of the things that make us laugh will mortify normal human beings, <laughs> reasonable human beings. Either mortify them or go way over their head because I like to think that, look, the fan today knows everything I know, except, of course, the intricacies of, of keeping the lights on, like mm-hmm. uh, being politically correct. And, oh, we can't do that. Oh, well, what if so-and-so's working with so-and-so two months down the road? We can't have a match with them on TV now. And you look on the internet, oh, so-and-so should work with Randy Orton right now. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, well, we can't do that. We're doing a big sh- story with them that you don't know about. You know what I mean? Right. So, <laughs> look, fantasy booking, fantasy booking is fun and is a lot sure. easier than actually having to play by the rules. But there are a lot of rules that that even sitting here right now, I don't think about. But but as I go to, to come up with a storyline for these two characters, I go, man, that's exactly what we're doing with the so-and-so over there. You know what I mean? That's kind of the same mm-hmm. line. We got to relook at it. So it's it ain't easy being cheesy. Yeah, a lot of people lose sight of the variables, like someone getting injured. 
you may have a, a oh, yeah. four or five, six week build for something. Someone goes down with an injury and guess what? The show's got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you, and you're going to have the pay-per-view next month. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. Oh, now who's he going to work with? And when one domino falls and you're perfectly uh, planned out creative, all the dominoes fall, man. And it's, yeah, it's, it's tricky, but it's also really cool to be in that kind of live fire environment. And you're just thankful for the, every third round is a tracer round. So you can see where they're coming from. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was and a war analogy. It was a war analogy. It fell on deaf ears. I apologize. I don't always hit a homer. Sometimes you just ding one to center field. You know. Sometimes you just lean into a pitch and take one for the team. It's yeah, fine. take one for the team. Is that what I just did? My shoulder's killing me. To that point, it's there's been times, a million times throughout history where somebody was planned to be this guy or this person was supposed to be in this position. Injuries happen or whatever the circumstances are, and it accidentally creates new stars. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you step in it. You know what I mean? Right. Like we, we've done that recently and I won't, I won't tell you the scenario, but recently it's like, Oh, and, and we used to say that all the time in the meetings. Like, yeah, we meant to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just something that happens because of something else that happened that turns out better. You know what I mean? And it mm -hmm. was like, Holy mackerel. That's, we did write it that way didn't we? And everybody's yeah. like, yeah, no, you're all, you're all morons. <laughs> <laughs> the only people that know for sure were the ones in the room, right? So yeah, yeah. plausible deniability. And, and the ones that they told outside the room. Right. <laughs> to try to make <laughs> themselves Whoever they were better. texting, right? <laughs>
24 hours a day, seven days a week. If the boss calls, you answer and you get on whatever question he has, you know what I mean? Or whatever, whatever uh, statement he makes, you get on that. And so there's no rest for the weary. So it, it got stressful. And it was the reason I ultimately said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going home. And, uh, and thank God I had a soft, soft place to land. Uh, it's still like, like I said earlier, I'm still texting and working and it's still pretty much 24 hours a day, but it's a lot, it's a lot less stressful. And I go to Orlando now, uh, when times are normal, I go down there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, fly home Friday. I have Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night to be with my family. And, and, and my son lives in Orlando. So I get to visit him and his family while I'm down there. And, the PC is just a little more laid back. Uh, but then as soon as I got there and thought, whew, let me tell me, take, let me re-rack these weights. We got the live TV contract. And so we dove right into it again. And I honestly think it was like a godsend because while they were used to putting on an hour show, all post-produced, they hadn't done live TV in a sure. long time. They did takeovers every now and then. So, so I think I was a big help for them, or I'd like to think I was anyway, it's probably just a hindrance, but I'd like to think I was a big help in that format, getting them up and running. And, and, and it was fun while I was like, oh man, I kind of wanted to take it easy for a minute. It was fun getting back into it because like I said, it's a little less stressful, but now we got to, we got to re-up this TV contract. So we got to put forth the best show every Wednesday night, you know, and, and uh, I think we're doing that. I think slow and steady wins the race and we're, there's great wrestling. And I think we're learning how to write great storylines on NXT. So I'm excited about the future. That's for sure. I'm a lot more at peace now. Uh, I, I attend meetings in Orlando, right by the performance center every day that I'm down there, a whole new group of guys and girls that are a support system for me. So man, my, my sobriety has never been the company also provides some, some resources for uh, recovering addicts and alcoholics that are former superstars. So it's, so much better now as far as the recovery goes, which then as far as my relationships, not, not just here at home, but at work also, everything flourishes when you're uh, spiritually fit. You know what I mean? When you're in a good, when you got, when you're centered spiritually, emotionally, I'll tell you what I did do though. You like to have a couple of drinks after you, after you have a long day. I like to have a couple of cheeseburgers after, uh, after a long day. <laughs> and so I kind of, I kind of, I've gained a lot of weight as people can tell, but I, it was literally, that's how I handled the stress for a long time up there is when I got to my room, no matter what time it was, I would eat my feelings away and go right to sleep. You know what I mean? And then sure. you got to get up in the morning really early if you want to train before you got to be back at the venue. So it was, it was a, a double-edged sword for me. But instead of drinking or drugging, I just turned to food. And look, I still love a couple of good cheeseburgers, but I'm trying to get back into where I'm spiritually fit and physically fit at the same time. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm a work in progress. And then I pivoted to live television. <laughs> hey, it worked, but you got back. It's it's like you've done this yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, I wanted to ask you though, as NXT continues to grow and now it's live. When I was in the Performance Center, when the Performance Center first opened, we always had Dusty Rhodes around at our disposal, and he was sort of the, the character coach, and he was the one that you could really sit down with. And and Dusty would his vision was just unparalleled. He saw things in people that they didn't see in themselves. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, we no longer have Dusty at our disposal. Or, uh, but I know that you've sort of stepped in in some form as far as helping these guys and girls in the PC develop who they are as characters. Two thoughts on that. One, 
I'm terrified and humbled by the fact that I was to step into his boots. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, those are boots that cannot be filled. Agreed. That's why they made them gold and put them in a trophy and put them in, the, in, a, right. in a plexiglass case. You know that that's impossible to fill his shoes. So so for one thing, for me, I'm I feel incredibly insecure about stepping into that role, but. I also don't know, I wasn't there, so I don't know his technique and how he did it. I would like to follow that because I do think he was a genius and I do think he created genius characters out of there. Once live TV started, I don't have as much time with individual uh, talent as far as their characters. I will watch their promo classes. I will watch on videotape their promo classes. I watch their in-ring work and then I try to uh, meet him in the middle on that. So, but as once live TV started and I kind of went from senior director of character development to creative consultant for live television, you know what I mean? Like it's my, my, my responsibility almost shifted a little bit. Right, and right. so I haven't yet found the balance of, and then this all happened and you know what I mean? I, I just haven't yet sure. found the balance of how do I do all these things and do them all well? Um, I do feel like we've got some interesting characters coming out of there right now. Uh, and thank God for the team because it's definitely a team effort. But again, I very, I'm happy as a pig in poop that I get to try to step into Dusty's boots. But I'm terrified to step into those boots, but also honored and humbled that I've been given the opportunity to try. You know, again, I just got to remember, I got to run my race. I can't compare myself to Dusty Rhodes because that's right. not fair to me. <laughs> should, should never be attempted. He was one of a kind. There will never yeah, be another. Yeah, but you're exactly. absolutely right. You got to run your own race. Is there anybody off the top of your head uh, that, that's maybe the, the NXT fans now would be familiar with that you feel proud to have had a hand in? Well, I think I think Dexter Loomis. I think again, okay. it's it's a uh, he's right out of the the gate, but right out of the gate, interesting as a character, and people want to know more about him. And uh, as a human being, he's a great guy uh, with a lot of really uh, cool talents. And so we'll be getting into those. But again, it wasn't me; it was a team effort of how when he was. So I had a class before the TV started. I had, I had a class down there. And of course, we didn't do much in-ring stuff because I wasn't an in-ring guy. We watched a lot of tape, talked about a lot of characters. And, and he was one that I got really interested in and I went way too far with. And we were, I had him licking people and in a rear chin lock and lick their cheek and, you know, just go way too far. And then you see what works and what doesn't work. It's easy to reel it back in. Uh, the hard part is get them out of their comfort zone and get them to go that far. And then you can kind of reel it back in and control it a little bit. But he was one that was definitely a team effort, but his character alone has already got people talking and his character alone has already got us thinking like main events and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like this guy, he wasn't even on TV three months ago. uh, And now he's, we're talking about putting him in that picture, you know? And so it's just, he's a really cool one. Uh, Look, dream Velveteen dream continues to evolve and continues. uh, We continue to try to try different things with his character. There's going to be a lot of things coming up, a lot of shifts, uh, a lot of people moving around uh, from sides of the roster and stuff that we just want to try things with different different characters with different people and different characters with some of the same people you've been seeing. But Dexter Loomis is the one that just jumps right out to me because as a character, he he is that. A lot of guys come out there and they're wrestlers and they wrestle. You know what I mean? And they're great wrestlers and that's what they do. This guy could work and cut flips out of the ring and land on his feet and all kind of crazy crap. But that's not why he's cool. He's cool because there's something about him that's cool. And it's 
and he ain't doing much. He's just staring at people and do it. But it's so interesting and cool. We came up, uh, we were all, we spent like two hours talking about where he's from. Where, where's this guy from? You know what I mean? Like we landed on recluse Wyoming, which oh, is a, a real a place, real town, but right. recluse Wyoming. Yeah. And that was so cool. But I wanted to say he was from Skinwalker Ranch. Like, I don't know if you ever watched that on, uh, on the show now, but there's a place in, in uh, I think Wyoming or, or Utah, maybe called Skidwalker Ranch. And it's like a hotbed for UFO sightings, and okay. paranormal activity and all these things. There's a show on, uh, on uh, Tuesday nights called. Okay. I think I've seen it show up on, on Hulu. Yeah. So I don't know why I'm plugging the show so much, but for Tuesday <laughs> nights, the, the end of the season, but, uh, <laughs> but I watch it and I got into it, but like that, that's the kind of thing, like it's cool to spend time coming up with that every little aspect of the character, you know what I mean? What's mm-hmm. his backstory? What's the, so we're going to be diving into that stuff soon. And it's, as long as we can tell a little bit of a character's traits and it doesn't have to be every character every week. Cause that's impossible. Sometimes the character is going to have a wrestling match. and Sometimes he's going to win. Sometimes he's going to lose. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of the beast. But if you can advance somebody's characteristics, let the viewer know a little bit more about a character on every episode, then you're doing the right thing, you know? And uh, we're trying to do that now. That's what I was doing before we, before we left on this hiatus, I was going out a lot and sitting down doing sit down interviews and just real talking with a lot of the different characters, the Dominic Dijakovic, the who are great performers, but I don't know anything about them. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. and then you just piece it together and you let people know a little bit about this person and a little bit about the character that he's portraying. And all of a sudden you got people you can invest in. You know what I mean? You got I people you agree. can emotionally invest in. And that's what we've been missing for a long time is those, those vignettes, those, those information, those infomercials on a character where you go like, like, Oh my God, Shotzi Blackheart loves punk rock. I love punk rock. You know what I mean? And I don't love punk rock, Corey, but, <laughs> but some people out there do. You were trying to pander to the host is what was happening. Yeah. Just there. I, yeah. I, I get it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was actually in the process of agreeing with you about the, the importance of characters because let's face it. I mean, as, as a human species, athletically, we're on a different level than than we've ever been. I mean, everybody that walks in the doors of the performance center or steps in the ring is already an amazing athlete and can do the moves but it's about what makes them tick. Why do I care yeah. that that guy wants to win the match? And at this point, man, I feel like we have wrestled them to death. We have great wrestling matches. Sure. Don't argue with that. Don't uh, disagree with that. We have great, the, the greatest wrestling matches in the world, bar none. Okay, now... Who's wrestling? Who's the guy punching the other guy? Who's the woman kicking the other woman? Let me in on that because that's, look, oohs and ahs, you get that, uh, that Japanese fan base, like, oh, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, but so we got those. So now make me sit on the edge of my seat because the guy I'm emotionally invested in is getting his ass kicked or the guy I'm emotionally invested in is kicking ass. You know what I mean? So that, that's the difference. That's the, I'll never forget the last time I sat on the edge of my seat was that WrestleMania, uh, that where my dad got inducted in the hall of fame that year was in Atlanta and it was Hunter and Taker. And I think Hunter was in the hell's gate or whatever. And the, and the, and the, the sledgehammer was right out of his reach and he was digging for it and digging for it. And I was literally on the edge of my seat because not only because it was a great match and it was a great spot, but because I'm 
emotionally invested in both talents. You know what I mean? And I'm, and and it, for that moment in time, you forget that you've been doing this for 20 years and you're in the moment as a fan. And that's the coolest thing, man. That's that. That's the gift we need to be giving more often. And I think we're, I think we're getting there. I think that's the gift that we get give to ourselves in the business that keeps us coming back. You know what I mean? I, I still Amen. find myself from time to time calling a match and just turning into a fan. And the last, I remember it always said out to me <laughs> yeah. is, is Kofi Kingston, uh, that whole Kofi mania run, which was a happy accident. Yeah. 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 In the elimination chamber, man, I, I think we were in maybe Nashville or so, somewhere and the atmosphere was unbelievable. It was Houston, but the, the, the arena was shaking. And I was sitting there yeah. trying to tell this story. And all of a sudden I'm like a 13 year old <laughs> kid again, just cheering going, this is amazing. And, and, and it's those it's moments. The best. And, and occasionally they're, they're a little more few and far between than they, they once were as a fan. But, you know, um, that's what keeps us coming back. And I think the fans are the same way. Yeah. We're very forgiving. They got to be because you, you're right, man. When, when we could give ourselves that gift, and that's what I meant by rewarding as far as c- controlling a lot of the creative and, and not controlling it, but coming up with it and seeing it executed correctly and seeing it. Like that's the, the, the gift that I would give myself. When it didn't go the way I wanted it to, it's I was hard on myself and I was uh-huh. hard on the talent and hard like, oh, darn it. We had an opportunity to have this great moment right here and you screwed it up. So you screwed it up because you didn't go fast enough or whatever. So it's, you know, and it's nobody can take that away from us. We do it better than anybody. Uh, and that's all there is to it. We do television better than anybody. Carrying Cross's entrance Right now is the best thing, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's the man. Best. When 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 she's standing in the dark, and that bird, and you don't know how long it took to come to that, to that that bird flies in and like almost encompasses her, and then yeah. here he comes. Like it's t- timing, it's so timing critical and so visual, man. It, that that kind of thing is really fun to me. That's when your vision gets to play out in a really weird creative way because you can control every aspect of that. The talent can say like, what if I did this? Okay. Yeah. Try that. And we can, and we, we ended up rehearsing that thing a, a bazillion times, but when it airs on TV, man, it's worth it because you go, like, Very cool. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, then you don't even have to wrestle. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's worked for a lot of guys for a lot of years. Yeah. As long as people care why you come to the ring. Yeah, I actually, uh, the night he debuted on NXT, I didn't watch it till the next morning. And I woke up in the morning on that Thursday and my Twitter was just carrying cross, carrying cross. And I'd I'd known him, (laughs) you know, for for quite some time. And I wanted to get eyes on that. What an awesome entrance. Absolutely cool. Yeah. And he's, look, he's a new guy too that we're still going to be working through the character traits and exactly how to do what, what to do, how, and, and so that he's fun, but he kind of, he kind of came in with who he wanted to be. And I think we're going to stay true to that. He just, we just haven't seen enough of him yet to go. That's sure. right. That's wrong. That's good. That's bad. And so he's a big dude too. I yeah, mean, he's he was six, four, you know what I mean? And, and, yep. and two, two sixty or something. So he's a, he's a big dude. And I didn't realize that, but he's, he's going to be a main player, man. He's going to be a main player. I'm excited to see where, where he goes. Definitely. Who, who else uh, has your attention right now in NXT or beyond? Well, I'll tell you, uh, look, I loved Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle was, uh, it's not like he's dead. He's still alive. I love <laughs> Matt Riddle. Um, 
but as everyone knows, he'll be he'll be moving on, and that's that's what's kind of before the live TV aspect of it. That was kind of the the purpose for NXT. I do feel like it's changed the the landscape has changed a little, but he's moving on, and maybe it's time for him. But man, he's going to be a huge star. He's a great guy. Like he's calm and cool and collected. Shoot fighter that also uh, transitioned into in ring action so easily and so effortlessly. The first match I produced at NXT was Matt Riddle versus Roddy Strong at the Takeover Bridgeport. I guess it was. Or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was the it was the unnamed. <laughs> they didn't specify yeah. which city. Yeah, it was like twenty five or something. I knew from the get go I wasn't gonna offer any wrestling advice to these two. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be my job and I'd be shooting myself in the foot and only hindering them if I tried to tell them what to do in a wrestling ring. Uh, now, if they had a promo, I could have helped them with that. But I just said, guys, tell me your match and let me make sure the cameras get it. You know what I mean? Let me make mm-hmm. sure all the cool big spots are shot correctly. So, man, I listened to them. And I just thought, what in the world is going to happen out there? There's so much going on and so many. I'm like, ah, man, they went like 25 minutes nonstop. Yeah. And it was, it was neither one blew up, neither one missed a beat. It was incredible. And uh, the only thing I did was go like, camera two. Uh, <laughs> but, but man, they, it, it just gave me a new respect for this. It's the moment that I stepped out of my old timer, like, get off my lawn, slow down with your action, you know, all that crap. And I stepped into, whoa, we're doing a different thing. We're doing things differently than I know how to do. And that's cool. That's, that's the evolution, man. That's, that's where it needs to go. That's where it needs to grow. So it was really cool and eye opening to me, but that's when I learned to love both Roddy Strong and, and, uh, Matt Riddle. Matt's a funny guy who can do comedy, but can do serious because he's a shooter. I was going to say, because he can actually tear you apart. <laughs> <laughs> he can actually beat people up. Uh, so I'm going to miss him a lot. But I'll tell you who my favorite man in the world is. Other than my man crush on Brad Pitt from Legends of the Fall, I would have to say, yeah, I was very specific with that. So don't think of, don't, don't linger too long on there, but do Google a picture of him. I didn't doubt <laughs> you were questioning. I know the mental image with the white puppy shirt, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> but, but Adam Cole is the most professional, most talented Mo, he, he just, he gets it. He gets every aspect of it. He can cut a promo. He's the one of the guys where you go, I need you to do a minute. And that's all you say to him. And he gives you a minute of hiccupless verbiage that just makes you go, okay, that was perfect. Thank you. Every single time. Like that's, that's Adam Cole in, in a nutshell. This is me in a nutshell. Let me out of this. Frame. But, but I, he's also a great worker. Like he's, he has a great psychology, um, man, if he was carrying crosses size, he would be the universal champion right now. Like, I mean, that's just, and, and if he wasn't, I'd be wondering why that's the kind of guy he is. That's the kind of human he is. That's the kind of talent he is incredible. And so he's, he's probably my favorite guy, but, but from a guy who's now on this side of the fence, having to work with that guy. He, he gives you everything you could ask for and more. And, and you don't even really have to ask for it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just, it's just like a dream. You know, he's a yeah. dream, dream superstar. I love Oni and Danny. Like they are just a yes. no nonsense tag I team. That, that, and, we're, and we're trying to, trying to get into a, a place where Oni can be the person he is on Twitter. 
on camera. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how that's going to go or how that's going to translate. Like, that's my guy. Yeah. That's my guy. And so, yeah, I love them as a tag team. I love uh, Imperium. Imperium, I believe, the, the tag team that are the tag champs now. Very underrated. I don't think people give them enough credit. I think people need to pay closer attention during their matches because that's where they come off as, holy crap, these guys got great timing. These guys got great chemistry with each other and they got great chemistry with everybody they work with. So yeah, they're, they're, they're something special as well. And when all this clears up and we can get Wolfgang and, and, uh, and Walter back over here, like that's going to be a faction to, to be reckoned with. Uh, and always cool, creative. Walter's something special too. I agree. Big, big fan of Walter and what he brings to the ring. Do you ever take a step back and think, man, when I was running with DX, when I was telling everyone in the world to suck it, that me and Sean and Hunter would basically be grooming the future? When I was doing that and I look forward to now, I thought I'd be dead. Uh, And that's that's a sad, pathetic truth uh, that I'm very happy is not the truth. You know what I mean? Right, right. For Uh, sure. That I'm very happy I'm not. And Two, that we're also, Sean included, Sean helps me spiritually a great deal. Like he, he keeps me grounded and, uh, and, and Hunter's always been grounded. So, so uh, doesn't help me so much spiritually, but helps me with my, with maturity, like with the business sense and a maturity that we can, I still like to have fun. Don't get me wrong, but we can have fun and be grounded at the same time. So I really love working with those guys. Uh, Joe Belcastro, the lead writer, like Matt Bloom is, is in on it. Sarah Motto, everybody. It's definitely a team effort down there. It seems like down there, everybody's working for the same goal. And nobody wants anybody else's job. And nobody's trying to do things to get that job. And it's just a very uh, team effort. It's a team environment. It's a different environment down there. That's all there is to it. And it's because it's your, you're on this small little island down there. So you either all row towards shore or, or you, or you are nothing, you know what I mean? Or you disintegrate. And so, so it's a, it's a cool environment. It's very team oriented, uh, which feels really good. Like I mentioned before, so rewarding to not only get to do the kind of the same stuff we were doing back then, uh, but do it with new characters and, and working on the entrances, working on the TV spots and, and, cool tele cool camera angles and i mean we take a lot of time in that stuff and i don't know if people think about that but man the television program that we put on whether you whether you like it or not whether you like the wrestlers that are on it or the storylines they're in the television aspect of what we do is second to none and i and i put it up against any uh, even in the other brands but any television show in any wrestling television show in the world I would say it's, it's got to be in the conversation as far as anything live, live sports. I mean, yeah, we, we do it. And people, you know, sometimes we get the criticism like, oh, it's too clean. It's too perfect. It's too, well, okay, well, that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to do. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want it to be Channel 5, uh, you know, uh, studio wrestling. We want it to be a cool television show that just happens to be hip tosses and arm drags in between commercials, you know, and, 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 and now, now, like we talked about, we got this live TV thing down. We got this wrestling thing down. Let's dive deeper into the characters. And that's, and that's where we're going. And we're going to try to bring a little more entertainment maybe back into the, back into the show. You know what I mean? Cause NXT has been heavily, wrestling 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 we want to bring we started that with riddle and and pete dunn and and then it kind of had to go by the wayside because of the pandemic and so we're making a 
uh, conscious effort to get a little more entertainment and dive deeper into the character. So the future is the future is bright, man, and I'm loving what I'm doing. Right on. Well, and I love you, Corey. I love you. You're so I love beautiful, you too, dog. Your I- eyes. <laughs> like I could get lost in those eyes. I appreciate that. Carmella I, better Carmella better get the flip out of my way. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. She's at the gym. That's why. <laughs> Oh man. Um, so NXT takeover in your house, right around the corner. What, uh, what can the WWE universe expect? Man, I think so. That, I think they can expect like just what I just talked about some more entertainment. Like we realized that it's the nostalgia effect of the in your house. It's why we went with that, uh, name for the takeover. We're, we're going to have visually some things that are going to take you back and be entertaining, but we want to, we want to make sure that the, uh, that the wrestling and the matches have some different things in it too. So, uh, there's going to be a couple things that you won't expect, but that you'll happily be surprised by. And I don't want to go too deep into, into any of that stuff, but it was definitely something where we found out it's the 25th anniversary of In Your House. And I was like, oh, really? I was on the first one of those. And Hunter was like, oh, yeah, I had that hog pin match with Henry Godwin. And then Sean yeah. was like, yeah, I think I wrestled you and Jeff Jarrett. And, and so we were all like, man, is that it? Is that what we do? And and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I think it's really cool that it's 25 years later. So so just the show itself has that nostalgia feel. We're still going to give them NXT classic championship matches and so forth. But there's going to be a few a few twists and turns in there that I think will be pleasantly surprising. So, man, I'm excited to get down there and to execute it, and uh, and then excited to watch it unfold. You know, it's, it's it never gets old. Only I do. <laughs> are you going to be giving away a house at Takeover this year, like they did it? The no, first- for sure, we are not. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I actually met the guy whose family won the first in your house house out in. We were no in, way. Yes, we were in Vegas, I believe. <laughs> and uh, Bonsai, our ref, uh, he's friends with the guy. He, he lived, I guess, in Orlando or something. And the guy came back with a bunch of the people that work for the Raiders. The guy himself might work for the Raiders now. But the okay. guys came backstage just hanging out and they introduced him. And he said, hey, I'm my parents and I won the very first house. <laughs> and I went... Why the hell would you make that up? So obviously it was the, <laughs> it was the truth. Yeah, but it was a really, it was just a bizarre occurrence. And he was the nicest guy you ever want to meet, but uh, he doesn't still live in it. But it's crazy. I didn't even think they really gave a house away. I thought they oh, were yes. saying that. You know he assured I mean? me. He, he assured me that I, I don't believe they lived in it very long. Probably what back then it was probably 180, 200 grand for a probably. house. Yeah, it was probably because it was the spread in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was a nice house. Yeah, yeah. They just gave it to somebody. Hey, we should start doing that. <laughs> Someone give me a house. We're not giving a house away this time. Yeah, okay. Maybe a tiny house. One of those. Yeah, tiny there you houses. go. I watched that on Netflix. I'm just. I'm working. I'm working as we speak. There's Hunter just texted. I'm going to let Sean you get back to work, <laughs> so so that you no longer catch any any. I appreciate you for hanging out. Uh, I look forward to take over in your house this week, or and I will hopefully see you. Maybe this week. I'll be, I'll be around. This Sunday, take over in your house. Can we crash on your couch? What an awesome conversation with Road Dog. I could sit here all day and talk business with him. In fact, we normally do, but we are on some semblance of a time limit. Otherwise, this would be the episode of ATB that simply never ends. But it's about to end. So before it ends, I'm going to read you some zen. That almost kind of rhymed. I am something of a poet. Learn something new every day. This comes from an athlete. He is a basketball player of the professional variety named CJ McCollum. 
who said, I can practice steadiness. I can practice accepting things I cannot change. I can practice a certain calmness, a certain coolness, an understanding of how to just really be content with what I have. Understanding that there are certain things that I may yearn for, but it may not be great for me. Understanding that certain failures are going to help shape me and make me into a better person where I won't be afraid of those failures. Been doing a lot of stoicism reading. Check it out. Uh, thanks one more time to the Road Dog for joining the show. Have to have him back, no doubt about that. Uh, in the interim, follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Send us your thoughts using the hashtag After the Bell. I say this each and every week, but if you're using Apple Podcasts and haven't left us a review, please shoot me five stars. It helps spread the word, and the word needs to be out. Everybody should listen to After the Bell. And uh, if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never, ever, under any circumstance, miss an episode. Follow me at WWE Graves, and I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell. 